Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a brand new series of Audio Gyan in association with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking with various artists, heritage conservationists, brand creators, illustrators, and architects associated with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. It's a company formed in 1922, which is leader in quality cement flooring and has been primarily making customized, handmade cement tiles. The timeless elegance and durability of these tiles make them work of art and invaluable part of the country's architectural heritage. It started as a part of Swadeshi movement. and with over 90 years of reputation bft is now most preferred choice of interior designers and architects across india you can find relevant links in the show notes below today i have alisha sadikot with us on audio gyan alisha is an independent museum and heritage learning professional instigating critical and creative public engagement with urban histories art museum collections and heritage spaces in mumbai her practice through the inheritage project founded in 2011 focuses on educational family specialist and other groups from the city and i also have firdos with us uh, who's back with us on audio again he is the vice chairman of bharat flooring and tiles so thank you guys uh, and welcome uh, firdos back to audio again and uh, alisha uh, for the first time and thank you for giving your time thank you it's lovely to be here firdos you don't want to greet oh yeah hi <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah <I forgot. laughs> uh, so yeah uh, i've like this conversation uh, we have uh, decided to uh, call it as the art walk and talk okay. uh, and uh, mainly to understand your work process and what are you doing exactly so to begin with uh, i want to ask you like a more abstract question uh, how do you define <clears throat> urban history i mean what all parameters uh, constitute urban uh, more importantly right uh, so very simply urban refers to the city um and when i say the city i mean a city in the sense that we understand cities worldwide it is a story that is in a mumbai context only a couple of hundred years old so when i say urban histories i'm literally talking about spaces that were built and planned in the last 200 years spaces that are in still in incredible flux they're changing so we talk about what's happening to mumbai today what's likely to come tomorrow we also talk about things that have happened post independence you know so it's not really about ancient history or heritage or looking at sort of um anything more historical than the early 1700s that's as far back as i go essentially mm-hmm. but is this a moving window or is it a like because you are at this point in time sure. so you look at yes. last 200 years right. but maybe 200 years ago another alisha was probably documenting yeah absolutely and there are people doing incredible uh, sort of walking tours and visits to spaces like uh, elephanta caves or the other caves that we have uh, you know older historical sites and that's their story to tell right my story or my interest lies in this um sort of area of conversation and when you say is it a moving uh, sort of focus absolutely because my interests keep changing so walks that i'm doing today i didn't really focus on even a year ago you know so it's kind of my interest develop and so my time period shifts earlier it was the 1800s when our historic center <clears throat> or the fort area all that area that you know we sort of highlight or showcase as a 
sort of historic center or tourist center. That was my focus, the grand architecture that we um, showcase to the world. But now I'm more interested in things like New Bombay or urban planning. So I'm walking in areas like Matunga, which is a much more human scale story. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And like if you can also set some premise by telling what these walks are about, how do they happen, what exactly goes in and maybe a brief touch upon how has it evolved. Right. So it is completely an evolving story. When I first started, it was 2004 Mm -hmm. and nobody was really doing heritage walks. I keep saying this, you know, I was really lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. I was still in college and the Asiatic Society at Horniman Circle turned 200 and they wanted a bunch of guides to show people around their building, but also into their basement, an area that nobody really gets a chance to go to. So for one year, we were doing free walking tours around the Horniman Circle and into the basement, looking at really rare collections. And I think the bug just got into me because in many ways, that's where Mumbai begins or Bombay begins, that literally the building is the starting point Mm -hmm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I interpret the city. And after that one year, the Asiatic Society closed its doors and now you have to jump through hoops, get permissions, all sorts of things to go back inside. So that's how it started. I uh, I went on to study further. I had other jobs. But this kind of interest in walking the city stayed with me. You know, that's where it started from physically or geographically. But the other way in which it's changed, and this is coming back to Fedos's question mm-hmm. earlier, right. what do I mean by I work with all these different groups? My real aim is to walk with people who are resident in the city, mm-hmm. who have a long-term connection with the city. So in 2004 or even 2007, 2008, the people you could access were tourist groups. Right. Right. right? Through yeah. tour companies, through organizations. But with social media, the manner in which you can talk to local residents and have them both engage online, but also then come for walks. Uh, Yeah. And really, the interesting thing is when you have people who know the city and already have a context and are invested in it, you can take the conversation deeper. I often joke that I rant a lot about the city, about, you know, what's happening to it today and what's likely to come in the future. And, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a more local conversation. And you True. can reference things, you can reference parts of the city that you can't really for a tourist audience. Mm-hmm. So the actual walk itself has changed a great deal and what you can share and what you can build on. Mm-hmm. Actually, tourists are not so invested in the city, you know. No, and they want to see everything, right? I go deeper and I show you less. Hmm. So that uh, it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. You keep coming back for different walks and you build the story together. And I've seen that happen. Now the stress is people come to me and say, we've done all your walks. When's the (laughs) next one? That's like... uh, don't have one yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to wait a while. No, but it's endless yeah. because uh, you can pick up any any particular uh, access. Uh, mm-hmm. I I was part of one uh, as in I was like an audience in uh, one of the panel discussions where uh, I forgot the name of the photographer. I think it was uh, Chaudhary or someone. Chirodeep Chaudhary. Chirodeep yeah, Chaudhary. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. he is uh, documenting all the f- uh, buildings in in uh, Bombay mm-hmm. who have wall clocks. Oh, and wow. most of them are functional. Uh, he's been doing that for the last twelve years. Clock towers, right? Yeah, clock yes. towers, yeah. and like he's 
gathered 86 buildings such in South Bombay which has clocks uh, so, so interesting yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you pick up any element and you can just keep yeah it's actually a really great avenue to get creative with the city and mm-hmm. that's what I like to say that no two walks are the same we'll come to that I think a little yeah. later yeah. Uh, but also why the walk with uh, Bharat mm-hmm. flooring was so different because mm-hmm. we looked at something that I don't think anyone really has focused on on a whole walk mm-hmm. uh, right, before right. I've got lots of repeat requests <laughs> for that by the way oh does. you have that's yeah. great to hear <laughs> Okay. So we'll we'll document that and then yeah. you can just share this link. <laughs> so how and why is history important even? I mean, uh, how does it help? Uh, does it help to reflect back? Does it help to just be aware of what is being built? Or it, does it become like a guiding point as to where we need to head? Any Any thoughts on that? So that's a really big question in yeah. many ways. And I think uh, what I try to do is actually make the conversation a little bit more local, a little bit more intimate. It's not about what history can teach us. I actually don't even refer to my walks as history walks or heritage walks anymore. Mm -hmm. It's more city walks. What I try to do is, if there is a larger history, can we localize it? Can we build relevance to the spaces that we use and engage with? And can it help us understand our experience in the city a little bit more? So, for example, we look at big British history events. But can we actually experience that while walking a street or a neighborhood in Mumbai? So uh, another obvious example might be the national movement. Every single one of us has studied it in some way or the other in school, but it's always been fairly distant. My aim is what was happening in Mumbai at that time, right? Uh, How can we even um, maybe not disrupt the national narrative a little bit, but populate it, right? What were regular people doing? Uh, How can we build a sense of, oh, my God, that's amazing. And that happened right here, right? I often find that when you say it's a history walk, people think it's irrelevant or from the past. But it actually is impacting everything like uh, urban planning, Right, that has given us different ideas of urban planning have structured the neighborhoods we live in, the neighborhoods that are changing today, the neighborhoods we will live in in the future. So how can we see that, hear that, walk that today? That's the trick. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming back to actually tying this to BFT, what has been BFT's contribution? Because uh, in one of the, uh, and this is actually for Firdos, mm-hmm. because one of your articles online, I read that, uh, it was like a preferred choice of Maharajas. Mm-hmm. So are there any other insights uh, which you can probably share and then uh, Alisha can take it forward? Our contribution to history would have been that we replaced uh, imported tiles. Mm-hmm. So in one way, we were sort of building manufacturing and saying that, you know, this imported uh, tile business has to stop. And uh, the other thing is that, you know, it enabled, I think, the local designers of the time to have a local flavor because now they could design stuff that you know really reflected uh, what Bombay was in terms of how the Indians felt about it whereas what happened before that was that Bombay was being built by the uh, British and the British designers and the tiles came from abroad so everything was sort of like that whole atmosphere was very different from when the local designers came in and said you know what we want to add this touch or that touch which is a local touch and Mm -hmm. so we were able to provide that to them because it was all made uh, here. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that yeah. I can see a lot of. And uh, over time also, I think that uh, while BFT did try and bring in some, you know, continue the European taste or say that, yes, you know, we'll cater to that. But they did also have a strong design 
sense of uh, the time mm-hmm. and any other references from the banks of as in like not the banks but yeah the shore side koli people right so are there any instances where that particular culture design was translated into certain well we brought the tiles over on uh, fishing boats yeah. so there must have been some fishy smell but nothing i think uh, in terms of <laughs> okay. i think design wise i don't think any but just to build on what firdaus says it's the idea that we were now thinking local doing local not just catering to um, you know sort of building a local conversation right and again he mentions swadeshi that's a really big story in history hmm. but here we are we can actually show them tangible evidence of something that started as a swadeshi endeavor and has still kept with the times that's still really exciting in terms of design a lot of the people who come on the walks they are themselves young designers so they're looking at something that has a sort of much longer story right. and they love it and another way in which sort of bft aligns with walking tours is first of all i'm all about walking i make people walk in the city right. and what are we walking over well we do this unthinkingly we're walking over floors in public buildings in private homes that we don't think about but when we start looking down and looking closer at floors that have been walked on for almost 100 years hmm. then you're thinking every little element has a story to it right and then you will never look at a floor again the same way because yes absolutely bft changed the conversation on flooring in the city and their floors are everywhere mm. and if you've spent enough time in mumbai you've probably seen or walked across one of them so that's mm-hmm. the really cool link that you can draw there mhm and is there any i wouldn't say subtext but is mm. there any underlying message while doing these walks i mean do you feel it's need first of all and if yes then what uh, what is it uh, i don't know if there's a need for it but mm. i think it's interesting and it's fun and the other thing i'd like to say about walking tours is you know it's the one way that you can actually sort of see or experience a more bodily connect with the city you know it's about getting people to now walk with their eyes open in a sense i say this jokingly but people message me back saying oh my god do you know what i saw in some other part of the city after they've come on the walking tour and now they know mm. what to look for right they know what they're looking for or you've just given them a sort of context to see and notice things as they continue along their lives in the city mm. right and literally when i say bodily connect the challenge for me is to tell them a story that makes sense in a particular location it can't be a story we're talking about in a cafe right mm-hmm. that's a very different way of talking about the city but i have to build a storyline that says okay i'm making you stand in this particular location to show you to make you hear to make you see something relevant and when people get that when it actually works you can see it oh my god wow right mm-hmm. and for different groups it happens at different points in the conversation for different people it happens at different points i think what's interesting about your walks is that it's like peeling layers of an onion you know you see the layers <laughs> of the city as they came up how it was progressively you actually see the effects of time on the city i think that was really interesting yeah. hmm. and absolutely the city is changing so much but the physical evidence is there yeah. you know it's just in the details you just have to kind of look for and it and i think or, we're lucky that we yeah. actually have enlightened uh, city planners yeah i mean or who are who are trying to preserve some parts of the city because yes. i've heard that like in uh, karachi which was considered to be a sister city to bombay things are just being torn down left right and center they don't have any heritage committee nobody's trying to preserve anything it's just like 
quite sad hmm hmm and i think the one thing you can um, sort of uh, be thankful for in mumbai is a growing interest in the 20th century hmm. you know which a lot of people think is so recent that it's not important so we're no longer just looking at grand gothic structures and saying those are important to preserve but they're looking at art deco which for the longest right. time for those you know people living in art deco didn't think it was important a mm. cement building mm. what's the big deal yeah. you know which yeah. is why so much was already lost before the thinking changed True. so we're looking at a more recent past and also getting interested in that mm. and which actually mm. brings me to uh, one of the questions which you referred before right. uh, that you say no two tours are same right. even the route may be the same sure. and this connects to what he's saying about like peeling the layers so if you can share some insights on that and plus any one uh, anecdote or mm. incident so there's multiple is... ways of addressing this question uh, kedar one thing is that mumbai surprises you all the time so mm. you think something is set in stone and then something will disappear or change and you have to evolve the conversation around it the other thing is that i think what makes a walking tour both challenging and also it what makes it really exciting is that you have to switch the conversation from content to person right it's not about me telling you a story it's about what interests you so i try to make the walks quite interactional quite conversational and when i see something that's working or that's really exciting for one group that's where i'll take the conversation it can be art it can be architecture it can be politics it can be different things that excite different people it depends on your age group it depends on who you are and that is where both the excitement and the challenge comes from how can i address you on a walking tour hmm. for 2 hours right but isn't that like a more i'm just going yeah. slightly philosophical sure. isn't yeah. that like a push model where you are trying to build content we are trying to build relevance to a particular set of people as opposed to you're just dating it mm. and there's a pull right, right? well it? i don't know the person right they come on my walk and it's not that i have said i've invited particular people to talk to it can be anyone and everyone so in a way what i have to try and do is find something that is exciting for everyone mm-hmm. on that walking tour and it's literally about getting people to guide the conversation with you you know i'm not this font of information telling you about the history of the city i'm building on your experience and everyone who well not you know everyone but what i find about mumbai is people know their city they're invested in it they've read books on their city they've lived here long enough and they want to be part of the conversation or it can simply be what do they notice at that moment mm-hmm. right and giving them a platform where they feel that they can actually add to the conversation i think that makes it fun and different and new and as you said give you examples the city is in flux all the time so it can be the physical space changing which often actually makes it a little bit more immediate and exciting to participants i take them to baikala for example and every 6 months you can see literally how the physical scape of baikala is changing the new city of mumbai with its high rises is literally coming closer hmm. you know you're in this right. little pocket and you can see change coming in 5 years baikala will look nothing like it does today hmm. and i know this because i started engaging with baikala in 2009 and i have photographs to show how much it's changed in 10 years right so it's literally like oh my god it, this is all going what's coming in its place what's making those changes is there something to preserve right it can be about restaurants shutting down every day we hear about an old restaurant closing it can be even spaces that are heavily museumized or protected like kala ghoda right the whole 
you may have followed the controversy about the Watson's Hotel, maybe not. Mm. But it's an old, right. really historical, universal value building, which now suddenly is covered in net because it's collapsing and the High Court is deliberating whether we keep it or not. Mm. You know, mm. so it's things that are happening today. But can we keep it is a question. That's I mean, a bigger question, yeah. I think. Uh, but, you know, it brings in things like you can bring in uh, sort of conservation stories and conversations from around the world. What's relevant? What should we keep? At what point is it not authentic? Does that matter? These are all other ways of looking at the past as opposed to saying this is how it is and always was. Mm-hmm. And that will never be Mumbai story. So, But are there any underlying principles then which you have borrowed? Like, I'm sure same sort of conversation would be having in other parts of the world as of well, course. right? Like there would be like heritage walks or city walks in London and other parts of the uh, world. So are there any... The point which I'm trying to mm-hmm. arrive at is these are walks. So I don't know how much gets documented mm-hmm. and then how much that will be transferred and made some sort of a support document to take certain mm-hmm. decisions for the government or for the... Is there any... Everyone tells me you should go into activism. I think Mm. there are activists who are doing an incredible job. My role as I see it is to broaden the conversation, is to take a conversation that's quite niche and share it with as many people as I can. Mm. So I try to say that. I look at my walks as a way of making it public. You know, there's so much history. There's so much conversation. There's so much documentation already done. So if you're in the field, you can access the information on your own. My challenge is, how can I make it a more democratic conversation? How can I interest anyone and everyone with this sort of very academic field otherwise? Mm -hmm. Right. So I use really great historical research and writing, and I try to then broaden it, make it a little more popular. And that is something that we actually have learned from the West in Mm -hmm. many ways, Uh, this notion of moving from information to something that is known as interpretation, where you're looking more at the audience than the content. And museums, art galleries, cultural institutions, cities across the Western world, I think they're just a little bit ahead of the curve in this sense about um, this way of looking at the past and sort of cultural assets. So interpretation is something that everyone is talking about and everyone is doing and audience-focused and who's your audience and I trained in that space and I'm trying to do what I can in a Mumbai context. Mm-hmm. I'd like to tell my listeners, in fact, there's one episode which is coming up. Uh, it's by Anupama Hoskare. She's a puppeteer and uh, she's been traveling. Yeah, yes. She's been yeah. traveling around the world. And what interesting insight she said that museumification is a very Western concept. Mm-hmm. In India, we are living museums. Mm-hmm. So that's something like really worth listening and the other interview which I've already done it's live uh, with Ayaz uh, Ayaz right, Masrai right. and uh, he shared some brilliant insights about time being a very important axis in measuring the health of the city so how schizophrenic are you to reflect back at the past and then in the future right so it's a very interesting conversation just to understand the city's health or how cities are designed maybe uh, Absolutely. I, I can see some dots connecting between these two conversations the next is actually for both of you, maybe uh, for those can right. uh, start with this. So in your walks, uh, mainly Alisha's, you must be having a lot of buildings and spaces from South Mumbai. Uh, and uh, obviously Bharat flooring, you can see like a lot of BFT flooring. So any particular iconic building or any particular moment where BFT has contributed in a large way uh, in terms of building up iconic structure. And then maybe... Alisha, did you discover, how did that discovery of BFT happen also? Well, I think that um, in terms of contribution to 
I wouldn't say iconic structures. We did a lot of the buildings around uh, the Oval Maidan and Marine Drive and uh, the cinemas and things like that. So I think that what role we played was basically adapting to the time, you know, like when we look at what was in fashion at that time. Hmm. So this was like one piece of that puzzle, like what was driving the designer of that time? What influence did he have? Like the Art Deco movement, it's not like it's all over the world. It's just like in, I think, Bombay and Miami and Karachi. So these are just like so disconnected, but yet there was some something which connected all these cities, right? There were some designers who just worked together and said, you know, let's make Art Deco our style, our thing. Mm -hmm. And so we played a part in that movement by producing the tiles and producing floorings that matched uh, that particular phase of uh, history and design. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the other buildings which one would consider iconic, like, say, the High Court or the Prince of Wales Museum and things like that. I mean, I, do, I don't think... It, I wouldn't count that as a big credit hmm. because they were driven by British rule and British uh, thoughts. What I'm more proud of is the fact of what we did for our own designers, you know, our own people. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll just add to yeah. that a little bit. I agree with Firdaus in many ways. And I think if you look at the Art Deco phase, what's really exciting about it is that it was a, um, you know, it was private enterprise that was driving mm. a lot of that construction. It was local designers and architects. And the flooring just fit. It matched both what people wanted at that moment in terms of the people who were building those homes and those theaters. But it also, what it has given us is that it may not be an, you know, one of those iconic landmark buildings, but we've all walked Bharat flooring without mm. realizing it. Yeah. It fits so seamlessly into these structures, right? Today, we can look at an Art Deco building and notice what's on the walls. But it's the flooring that allows you to physically stand or touch or have a connect with that site. Hmm. So when it comes to the old theaters, restaurants, homes, that's where Bharat flooring really found its niche in the art deco phase. But the other way in which I think you'll have really contributed to that sort of grander architecture is in your heritage range. Mm -hmm. Because what Bharat flooring, and you can correct me at any time mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, but sure. what you've allowed people to do is in their uh, process of conserving these older buildings, Bharat is providing that heritage range that matches in right, many ways right. those older tiles and allows us to put back these grander structures today in a more authentic fashion, right? And for those, maybe you can tell them a little bit about what you all did for the synagogue, where you all went mm -hmm. even a step further and created pieces rather than one whole tile, if I'm not true, wrong. True, true, true. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so the synagogue actually had a very, very old tile uh, system, which was basically the Minton tiles. Um, I don't know, what would the dates be for that? Alisa? Late 1800s. Late, late, late 1800s. 1800s. So, you know, uh, cement wasn't even on the scene in that time. And when we were asked to restore it by uh, Abhanar and Lamba, so initially we were a little uh, foxed because that's ceramic and now she wants a cement tile company to make the replica. So it took a lot of research, a lot of uh, matching of the shades especially because Mintons have a very particular shade which was based on the earth that they had in their uh, country. It came from England or I guess, uh, you know, Western. They had a particular kind of earth which they used to fire and then became these tiles. So matching that exact shade was one challenge. And the second thing was that Mintons are made out of small, small pieces of tile. So we had to go in the opposite direction from 
basically having one pattern per tile to having like you know small small pieces that would be the pattern would be broken up into small small and then joined together inlaid into the inlaid into the floor and yeah. now i'm really happy to say that uh both the old floor and the new floor are very seamlessly Mm-hmm. there you can't make out actually which is the old and which is the new absolutely and even if you go into the bhaudajilad museum during the restoration process they use bharat flooring they for did, part yeah. of it right so it's allowing us to put back our older structures but using a new tile hmm. which yeah which fits in with the yeah, older structure yeah. yeah yeah and how big is the size it's like 3 of the mintons yeah the mintons are tiny i mean they're like uh, some of them are like 1 inch 2 inches very small small pieces mm-hmm. in triangles and squares and things it's really interesting i think i should like do some more research on that mm-hmm. um you've definitely walked both floors 100% yeah <laughs> yeah Yeah. So, is there any template or pattern which has emerged out? Because uh, I was reading about uh, your few of the articles online, and you would like to extend the same heritage walks to other places uh, in the country as well. So, is there any pattern? Because it's so dynamic in nature, and you, as you go deeper, uh, you you explore new facets to it. So, yeah. So, I actually don't want to extend my walks. What I want to do is. Um Heritage walks is both an art and a science, and so I want to actually put in place training workshops where I help other people build their own walking tours. If they have an interest, I would like them to just sort of work on the science of a walking tour. You know what makes a good walk hmm. from a good idea. Right. So help them just find their own voice to tell their own stories. That's the challenge. You know, um, just. being a little authentic also to your own self and your own interests and there are so many people out there who want to do walking tours so it's just about you know but is it uh, city agnostic i mean absolutely because i'm sure like bombay will have a different story mm-hmm. but uh, given bombay's uh, age every is... place has a story right which is worth walking through and seeing and experiencing but do you think like if i am just comparing yeah. varanasi versus mm-hmm. say kochi versus chandigarh yeah. right chandigarh Absolutely. is probably say, a 100 years old but maybe varanasi is like 3000 years old that's fine they both have histories to share and chandigarh has a different story and so does you know any other place but the trick is how can we make this history come alive on a walking tour that's where my interests lie right what can you see experience feel and you can't it can be as simple as you know making a coherent walk where people aren't exhausted after walking for 4 hours no one can walk for 4 hours hmm. right so how do you keep things out how do you adjust it it's literally a science hmm. and it comes with experience so the first time i do a new walk i actually am you know uh, i build on it i change it i correct it so you have to come on a walk a few times i think or do a walk few times before you get it absolutely right and even then it changes yeah, I mean, right it changes. it's things like depending on time of day or time of week your route should change mm. so it's about sharing that aspect but then letting people go out and do it themselves because right now it's not a drop in the ocean mm. we true, need so true. many more walking tours so and when you go to a you know when you go to countries like spain or france you know there are actually free walking tours they just There's so many of them. You just find them online. Yeah, and, and really uh, good ones. They yeah, have a really whole different ones. kind of yeah. setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, indoor spaces. You know, we need to open up our spaces a little bit. Allow people in in a you know timely uh, sort of timed fashion, maybe. But create experiences both indoor, outdoor. There's so much we can still think about and do. We haven't even started scratching the surface on that. Mm-hmm. 
I believe uh, these few places, uh, at least which are historically important outside India, they have these QR codes and audio uh, recordings already done. So you visit a space and you just open that app and then uh, there's a history narrated around it. So do you want to get into that direction? Because it becomes very mechanical, right? So it's what's actually the... quite exciting. Sorry, and, uh, and I, would like like to... <laughs> I would like to rephrase actually yeah. the question. So what is the fundamental difference between hmm. a walk and a tour? Right. right. So if you have an app, that person can't answer your questions, right? But the other side of the conversation is that not everyone wants to come and meet somebody and have them walk them through at a particular time of day, right? There are people who would like to do it on their own time. And maybe just as they're navigating their daily life. So I feel like you need to offer something for everyone. Each of these platforms has their pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And you can develop really good apps for walking tours, which are very conversational, very interesting. And then let people use it as they like, mm -hmm. you know. But there are a lot of pros to walking tours as well, I think. Mm -hmm. Because if you really want to have a really conversation, you know, uh, mm -hmm. an argument. People argue with me and I love it because that means they're invested enough that they care enough to argue a point about something. Mm -hmm. So right. there's something for everyone, I think. And we need to understand that, that audiences are different. Mm -hmm. The way I do a walking tour for a school group is completely different than what I'll do for an adult audience on a weekend. So we need to adjust the conversation based on who's listening to us and who's walking with us. Cool. And one fun question, how does it happen when it's raining in Bombay? You get umbrellas and I have to what talk really loudly over the sound of the rain. <laughs> uh, but I have walked with groups that are completely drenched to the bone. And the best part of a monsoon walk is that there's no one else on the street. So you have yeah. the city to yourself. Absolutely. Cool. I think this is a good note to end this. Obviously, there's a lot more to be documented about the city and about BFT's contribution and about your uh, walks. If people have to follow you, uh, join you in your walks, what's the best way to connect with you and follow your work? Sure. So social media is the best way. On Facebook, I'm at the Inheritage Project. And if Instagram's more your thing, it's just Alicia Sadikot. Thank you guys uh, for giving your time and it was really fun chatting with you. Yeah, thank Pleasure you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Kida. Cool. Thanks. That's it. And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye.